Dan, we've got time here on The Breakfast Show. Welcome back, everybody. We've got a few questions, a few, uh, we've got a quiz question and a few text messages. Mm-hmm. Let's get it right here to go through. What position was held by the man whose ear Peter cut off? Okay, what, what, this guy, he's got his ear cut off by Peter. What did he do? A, was he a priest? B, was he a lawyer? C, was he the high priest servant? Or D, was he a centurion soldier? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And again, that question was, what was the, what position was held by the man whose uh, ear was cut off by Peter? A, was he a priest? B, was he a lawyer? C, was he a high priest? Was he the high priest seven? Or D, was he a centurion soldier? 0491-064-669. If you get the answer correct, you'll go into the draw to win Miracles and Pitfalls, the board game. Let me slow down a little bit as the advice was given by Dana. 0491-064-669. Save it in your phone that way. When we rattle it out fast... You don't have to worry. Yeah. And if you do miss it, just wait for 10 minutes. It'll come back. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, text messages. Let's go to text messages. This one coming through from Sky. This one actually came through yesterday. It was a bit late in the sh- mm-hmm. show, and so I didn't get to it. It says, praise God. Welcome back, Lyle. Everyone did a fabulous job. You can retire. Uh-huh. <laughs> Seriously, we are blessed to have everyone who is on Bracky and Shell doing the behind the scenes. <laughs> Thank you, Sky. <laughs> Can retire. Yeah, <laughs> nobody needs me. I know how this goes. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Uh, the Chosen Season 3, you have to admit it's the best presentation of the New Testament of the Bible produced so far. Obviously appreciated by millions of people worldwide in a marvellous way to... Uh, a marvellous way to reach many non-Christians. And, you know, when you look at the purpose for The Chosen, the purpose for The Chosen is a little bit different from previous series that have been produced. And in previous series have been produced to focus on Jesus and to tell the biblical story of Jesus, whereas The Chosen is a little bit different. It focuses on the disciples rather than on Jesus. Jesus is central to it, but it's a focus mm. on the disciples. And it goes through each one, introduces you to each disciple. Uh, as you work your way through the series, you sort of get to know each one and to get to know some of their backstory and so forth. And it doesn't pretend to follow the biblical narrative as such. It follows a story of, you know, this is how it could have been in the first century and so is in the biblical story as you go. So it's a little bit different, um, but definitely worth a look. Mm. All right, mass murderers being only male and raised without a father speaks volumes. Looks like God knew what he was talking about in creating humanity, male Mm. and female and marriage. Mm. It's a very simple equation. It is an equation that all research has said is the best equation for the best outcome of a child and children are always the victims whenever we move away from the biblical model Mm. of how a relationship uh, should operate. Do we live in a broken world? Yes. Does that mean that terrible things happen? Yes. Mm. Does that mean that homes are going to break up? It does. Mm. And sometimes, many times, they need to break up. I get that. Mm. We get that. We understand that. And God gets it too. Here's a challenge for you all. Go and look up the word widow in the Bible. In Mm. fact, let me look that up right now. Because (laughs) widow in the Bible is the word for single parent. Mm. Uh, Here we go. Let's just see how many times this comes up. comes up 82 times in the Bible that God calls on us 
to look after the widows, mm. to look after the single parents, to be there for their children. And so, you know, this is a major theme in the Bible. A major theme in the Bible is the father and the mother as parents. And the second biggest theme or just as big a theme is looking after and supporting the single parents mm. because that's going to be a reality in our world. Mm-hmm. All right, what do we got next? Text message here says... Uh, single parents, I'm sure it wouldn't be easy. My heart goes out to them. And what a blessing for many of them to have joined a church family. Also reminded church family to keep an eye out for single parents. Mm. And what Dana had to say there I think was absolutely fantastic, and particularly the ministry uh, that he talked about of being there for single parents and supporting the children, giving mentorship to those children. So incredibly important um, in a church for a church to do that, and so incredibly important for single parents to become a part of a church community. Mm. So many people kind of be like, oh, I don't like church because of this and because of that and because of the other, you know. They take your money. Well, if you're worried about them taking your money, don't give them any. Just go to church. Yeah. Don't, don't give them any money if that's your concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people are like, yeah, but a church is full of hypocrites. Well, you start pointing the finger, you know, there is that thing about all of those fingers pointing <laughs> back at you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, you know, we need to keep these. That's why I point all my fingers forward. That's why I kind of do a karate chop with it, you know, because I don't want to receive that condemnation. All right. Braden says, I never got to go to summer camps, but am planning to send my sons to them, Mm. hopefully. As much as I think Yarra is a wonderful place and probably the best campground in Australia, I would have to say Hope BC has the best campground. Well, at least, is that British Columbia? I don't know. BC. Where's BC? British Columbia, Canada. Of the ones I have visited, Mm -hmm. that is the SDA campground in Hope, BC. Mm. BC is British Columbia, right? I I think so. There's no BC in Australia, right? No. No, that was the point that he... Lyle struggles with reading sometimes, and the point that he was trying to make is that the best campground in Australia is Yarra, but Mm. outside of Yarra, it's... Hope BC. Oh, Braden's making that point. Yeah, that, that's what he's trying to say. Okay. Now, I haven't been to any summer camps outside of Australia, so I wouldn't know, but I just know that Yarra is just the bomb. It is. Cause, not only because we World spend class. time there at summer camps, but we, a bit, we're working in ministry here in New South Wales. You just end up spending a lot of time there in general, and it's just the best. It's amazing. Sky says, we had Hope... Uh, sorry, we had Robbie Bergen at our church... On Sabbath, all oh, blessed amazing. and thankful for having him. Uh, that one's from Sky. Mm. I th- believe she's down in Wollongong. That's right. Well, that's where he was. Okay. So that answers that question. And, of course, uh, Robbie Bergen is the content manager for Faith FM Radio. He's our boss. He's our boss. <laughs> and he did a really, really good job down in Wollongong, and it was really great. Congratulations, Robbie. They were blessed. Okay. Did he stop listening? Is he? Is he still listening? Or did he? Anyways, let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> ah, we should get into our Bible study and let's have a look at our Bible study. A bit of the passage here to read today mm-hmm. from Exodus chapter 32. Uh, we're going to start reading in verse 1, 1 down to verse 14. Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. 
When the people saw how long it was taking for Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from your ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. And all the people took their gold rings from the ears and brought them back to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into the shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. And he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early and the next morning sacrificed and burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulge in pagan revelry. The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. The people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have turned away from the have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, These are the gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them. Then I'll make you, Moses, into a great nation. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why are you angry with your own people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why, let the Egyptians say, their God rescued them from the evil intention with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth. Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all to this of this land. That I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Okay, interesting story right here. Mm-hmm. We've got to stop and ask ourselves a question here. We are, what role is Moses playing here, and what mm. is God's attitude to this whole situation? I mean, we often don't think about the implications of what took place. Okay, so let's let's say you're one of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. And the night before, let's think about the night before this happens, mm-hmm. the night before they make the golden calf. Mm-hmm. You're an Israelite. Uh-huh. You go to bed. Yes. How much food is in your cupboard? Uh, none. None. Uh, if you're going to eat tomorrow, where's that food going to come from? Heaven. Yes. Like it's going to fall literally from And if the God sky. doesn't come through for you, then you'll starve to death. You starve. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, there's like one, however many million people out in the middle of the desert, you're never going to walk out of there. So you are entirely 100% reliant on God. So then you get up the next morning, you go out of your tent, mm-hmm. and what do you do? You worship a golden cow. No, before that, before okay. that, before that. So you go and pick up all the manna off the ground. You go and pick up manna on the ground because there is manna on the ground. Uh-huh. Do you have a scientific explanation for why there is manna on the ground? Is this a natural phenomenon? Uh, no, that's not what it, you would have seen in Egypt. 
No, this is not what you know. So you, so this is something that has supernaturally happened overnight. There is mm. manna on the ground. You walk outside, you pick up the manna off the ground, and you have breakfast. Mm. And the reason that you're having breakfast is because of God. Yes, who is in the cloud. Yes, on top of the mountain. Mm. And then you build the golden calf. Mm-hmm. So without God that is on top of the mountain, you're going to starve to death. Mm-hmm. But then you build a cow out of gold. Because you didn't starve to death. <laughs> and you're going to worship a cow. Mm. Uh, we've all had a little bit to do with cows. Have you had much to do with cows, Lawson? Um, I was going to help birth a cow. Yes. But I didn't end up getting to do it because oh. it, it did it itself. Okay. It, it pushed it out. But I was really keen to do that. But, yeah, I've hung yeah. out with cows before. Do they inspire you like, oh, I should worship this creature? No. No, they don't. They used to make me hungry when right. I when I saw them, but now I don't eat meat. You don't eat dead cows anymore. So now I think cows are kind of just cute because of how lazy they are. Chill They're just curious and hang out. And... Have you seen the miniature cows? The cows yes. that are like as big as dogs uh-huh. and they're fluffy and worth like $30,000. <laughs> they <laughs> sell why for I so don't much have money. One. Oh, dude. Yeah, the cows, cows are cool. But yes. they're yeah they're they're you know if if I was going to be a pagan I'd worship well in the past they've worshipped snakes because snakes are kind of cool and well snakes hectic. are kind of hectic yeah so in, in Egypt they worship snakes that because snakes are hectic there's no or like a bear or like a lion crocodile or a crocodile yeah or an ibis for even some even when reason. they worshipped a cow <laughs> in Egypt it was like a massive bull yeah. But this one's just a little calf. They call it, a, yeah, literally the golden calf. It's probably all the gold they had enough for. Yeah, <laughs> they could only fill the calf. They couldn't fill the. And full they worship calf. this thing after having eaten the manna that was on the ground. Mm. It's a little bit like us when we sin after having thought about and remembered the cross of Christ mm. and what Jesus did for us. Mm. In fact, that's probably having greater impact. Mm. Something to think about next time you sin. Mm. You're doing worse than the Israelites when they did this. They did this. They did this terrible sin, and God's like, "Okay, that's it. I'm going to wipe you out." And Abraham, you can be uh, sorry, Moses, you can be Abraham version two. You're going to make mm. of you a great nation. And what does Abraham? How does Abraham respond? Uh, Abraham essentially incites God to stop, like to not do it. And what are some of the arguments that Abraham uses? Sorry, that Moses uses. Uh, Moses, Moses, his <laughs> argument Moses. is about Abraham. Yes. He says, "Hey, you made a promise. You made a covenant with your." You know, with your, with our forefathers, your children, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them this land. Now, if Abraham had have wiped out these people, then that covenant would have been null and void because Moses is a child of Abraham. Yeah. Like Moses is a Hebrew. But that being said, he said, like, Moses incites God. He says, listen, you made this covenant, you made this promise. You know, and also the other side as well, he's like, do you want your reputation around the world and particularly to the Egyptians um, to be soured because of this event, you know, this, this event taking place? And so Moses says, don't kill them. Don't leave them in the wilderness just to kill them. Um, show mercy towards them. And Moses is, you know, told by God to, to head down there and talk to them. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, and so one of the things that we learn from this situation is, you know, and there's interaction between God and Moses here, is an interaction in which 
God was giving Moses the opportunity to to act as an intercessor. Mm. And imagine, and, and Moses like imagine how imagine how bad it would be. Mm. Imagine how bad it would be for non-believers in you if you go and wipe these people out. Mm. They're just going to see you as being a terrible, terrible God because, mm. okay, you know, your followers did some bad things and they incited you pretty badly, but you just wiped them out. And in the Bible, in the Bible here it says, God says, now let me alone that I may consume them. Mm. So when we look at this picture here, it's a picture of God who is, and it's interesting, he says to Moses, let me alone. Moses, you're standing in my way. All you have to do, Moses, is just step aside Mm. because he's really giving Moses this opportunity to act as an intercessor. But he says, let me alone that I may consume them. Moses says, no, that will make you look bad to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if you've got a group of people who really, really rebel badly against their God and their God consumes them, the rest of the world is going to be like, well, I don't want to worship that God. Mm. How much worse is it? How much worse of a picture of God is it if we come to God and say, well, you know what, Um, God doesn't consume them. He actually sets them on fire and that fire never goes out. Mm. Isn't that an infinitely worse picture of God? Moses worried about this picture of God where God consumes them. Mm. But imagine if the picture was God's going to set them on fire and the fire will never go out. In the Bible study... It uh, it shares this interesting uh, commentary right here. Let me just uh, pull it up real quick. Uh, this is um, from a book for children. Oh, okay. Called The Sight of Hell, mm. uh, where a Roman Catholic priest by the name of John Furness illustrates what hellfire is like. Mm. And so he says, imagine a great solid iron ball larger than the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. A bird comes once in a hundred million years and touches the great iron ball with one feather of its wing. Mm -hmm. He says that the burning of sinners in hell continues even after the iron ball is worn away by the occasional feather touches. So if you can imagine an iron ball, it's, it's like kids, you can imagine an iron ball is bigger than the universe mm. and every 100 million years a feather touches it. Mm. Okay, eventually that will wear away from feathers touching it mm. and hell will still be burning. Wow. That is the picture of God that eternal hellfire brings and the moment that you accept eternal hellfire, you are forced to agree with what John Finnis says here. Mm. There is no way around it. Mm-hmm. There is no possible way around it. And so then the question is, okay, what kind of a monster would do such a thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have human beings here on this earth that are truly monsters. They're animals. Well, they do terrible talk, things. Talking about them today. They're talking about mass shooters earlier earlier on today. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're truly, truly awful human beings. We have people who torture people from time to time and commit the worst kinds of atrocities. But even the worst torturers who have ever lived have eventually allowed their victims to die. Mm. They've eventually got there and allowed them to die. Okay, so is God like that? 
Well, the answer is no, God is not like that. And, you know, and so a lot of people, they struggle with that, and it's like, this is impossible for God to be like that. There's just mm. no way in a million years God could ever be like that. Mm. That is not God's character. And so they're like, well, if, if eternal hellfire is not a thing, then hellfire is not a thing. Mm. I met a guy once when I was door knocking who was writing a PhD thesis, and he was looking at all the different theories on hellfire, mm. the eternal hellfire and the no hellfire. Mm. He'd never even thought about annihilationism, mm. never even entered his head. And so many people, they don't even think about exactly what the Bible teaches. This- You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Mm-hmm. Breakfast Show this morning. And we're going to have another question for our quiz. Yes, our final question for the quiz. In Isaiah 37, after King Hezekiah tore his clothes over the report about Assyria, what did he put on? So, King Hezekiah tears his clothes, you know, it's told about what's going on with the Assyrians. What does he put on after he tears his clothes? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you'll go into the draw to win Miracles and Pitfalls, our amazing Bible-based board game, which, again, comes with the promise that if we're in your area... We will play this game with you. So, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. In Isaiah 37, King Hezekiah tore his robes after or over the report about Assyria. What did he put on afterwards? 0491-064-669. Okay, Matthew chapter 18, verse 8. Please, Lawson. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 8 as I'm turning there. The Bible says in Matthew 18 and verse 8, So if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to enter eternal life with only one hand and one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both your hands, with both of your hands and feet. Okay, so the Bible said talks here about eternal fire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so wouldn't that be like the great iron ball that's bigger than the universe that gets touched with the tip of a feather every 100, 100 million, million years. years? That's every billion years. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it wears away to nothing and there's nothing left from being touched by feathers, it still hasn't hardly even started. Isn't that what the Bible's describing right here? Eternal fire. It's pretty clear, right? Black and white. Well, it says eternal fire, the word yes. eternal fire. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess what we're going to be reading and understanding is, is what does that actually mean okay so let's look for some context then shall we let's go to the book of jude and we're going to read verse seven in jude and verse seven as i find it here the bible says and don't forget sodom and gomorrah and their neighboring towns which were filled with immorality of every kind of sexual perversion those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of god's judgment okay so you've got sodom and gomorrah that are destroyed by eternal fire Mm -hmm. are they still burning no okay but a lot of people at this particular point they would say yeah but Judy's actually not talking about the physical cities themselves. He's talking about the people in the cities because often you will refer to, you know, Sydney as Sydneyites or whatever it might be and you're talking about people in Sydney and maybe it's just the Sodom and Gomorrahites that are in eternal fire. Is that how people refer to people from Sydney? Sydneyites? Sometimes. 
Really? Yes, you've never. Have you never heard that? No, that's. You live two hours from Sydney. That is so lame. You guys are. I'm a Novocastrian, okay, which yes. is like the coolest name ever. It is. Mm. This is true. I have to admit that it's mm-hmm. much cooler than Sydneyites. Sydneyites. What do they get? Do they call them Melbourneites? Yes, that of course is, they do. Grown so, up under a rock. That is so lame. That is so lame. What do, what do they call you? Well, they call you a Tasmanian. Tasmanian. What if you're from like Launceston? Then. From- we don't talk about Launceston when we were down south. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah. um, but getting back to this right here, all right, how do we know that this is actually talking about the cities rather than the people? Because it was the people who was committing the immorality, mm-hmm. right? And the Bible says that the cities suffer eternal fire. Wouldn't that in context be the people rather than the cities? Uh, well, I would say to that, wasn't everything destroyed? Okay, let's go over to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 6. Because the thing I want you to point out, I want to point out to you in that in Jude, is that Jude is using Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of what happens to the wicked, right? Mm-hmm. He cites Sodom and Gomorrah. Here is an example of what happens to the wicked. Second uh, Peter chapter 3 and verse 6, please. Then he used water to destroy an ancient no, world. Chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 6, the Bible says, Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what happens to ungodly people. Okay, so it is talking about the people. Mm. It is the people that go to eternal fire. Mm. And when they go into eternal fire, what does the fire do to them in this passage? Turn them into ash. It turns them into ash. Mm Mm-hmm. So the eternal part of the fire is the consequences of the fire yeah. rather than the burning. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put it into its context. The consequences of this fire are eternal. You're never coming back from it. Mm-hmm. This is the second death. There is no resurrection from this fire. There is no hope of any kind of resurrection from this fire when this fire burns. That's it. You're done. Yeah. It's interesting. We were talking about unquenchable fire yesterday. And yes. I guess the way that I see it is that you, like a quenchable fire, a fire that is quenched is one that consumes everything it needs to consume and then has nothing left to consume. So it'll go out. You know, naturally, right? Because that's, it's that's, na- that the, that's that's a quenched fire. Is that it's been filled up mm. with stuff, so it's been just like we are. I would say a quenched fire is one where you put a hose on it. Really? Yes. But we're quenched, right? When we like eat enough food till we can't eat anymore, and then we're quenched. So a fire. I've never used the word quenched in that context. Before. Really? That's mm. that's the only way I've understood the word quenched. Because like. Because we, okay, we have a fire. Let, hear me out, hear me out. We have a, let, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. So we have a fire that is quenched, right? Which to me sounds like something like, just you, like a person. Actually, I looked it up. You're right. A person who eats enough food until they can't eat anymore. That is someone who's quenched. A fire that eats enough things until like, let's say a fire continues to burn things and then there's nothing to burn. So then it will quench. It's been quenched because it's full. The fire, there's nothing left to burn. When the Bible says it's an unquenchable fire, what we see is that there is nothing that could stop the fire from burning. There's there's no amount of stuff that you could put in the fire to stop it from burning. Now, what that does not equate to is that the fire burns for eternity. Okay, so it's unquenchable because it will destroy everything that's put on it. You know, the fire the fire that destroyed Jerusalem was eventually quenched. You know, it didn't go on to destroy the entire world because 
you know, it ran out of temple to burn down. Okay, so the word quench, dictionary definition right here. Mm. Uh, definition one, to satisfy one's thirst by drinking. Mm. Definition number two, extinguish a fire. Mm. I guess the whole point of uh, what I want to draw out of this passage is the Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah yes. are an example of what happens mm-hmm. to people who are rebellious against God yes, and suffer eternal fire, uh-huh. and that eternal fire turns them into eternal ash. That's right. Just like the unquenchable fire, just like this eternal fire, it will burn everything. Okay, let's go to... Uh, this other passage we've got over here. Let's go to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4, the in which verse? Verse 1, verse one. the Bible says, The Lord of heaven's army says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, arrogant and wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. Okay, so they're consumed how much? Roots, branches, and all. Yeah, it's pretty thorough, isn't it? Read for us uh, verse 3. In verse 3 it says, On the day when I act, you will be you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Let me read it in my translation. It's a little bit more vivid. It says, For behold, the day comes, says the Lord, that will burn as an oven, and all the proud, yes, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. Ever seen it's double fire? Burns hot. Mm. Uh, the day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord, that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Pretty hot fire when the roots are burned out of the ground. Mm. And you'll go out, go, and you shall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will mm. be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, says the Lord. So over mm. and over again, the Bible says in relationship to hellfire, that hellfire reduces the wicked to ashes. Mm. So what is it that is eternal about hellfire? It is the consequences of hellfire, Mm. not the burning that is eternal. And that's the context. We've got to read the Bible in its context. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We've come to question of the day time here on The Breakfast Show. Before we do, we have a number of answers for our questions. Okay, who was the first king of Judah ruling from Jerusalem? That was Rehoboam. Now, the extra answer... We got someone who got bonus bragging points? And, and what was that answer, Lyle? Oh, we got kind of... Producer Shell, what was, the, what was the verdict right there? Help us out. Are you accepting Saul or just Dick? Well, we could accept Saul because... His kingdom included Judah, but it wasn't exactly what we were looking for. Because mm. we're looking for the kingdom that was called the kingdom of Judah. Mm. Which was David. Which was David ruling from Hebron mm. over the kingdom of Judah for seven years before he became king of all Israel and ruled all Israel for a further 33 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you knew all of that, you potentially got extra points. (laughs) Uh, Our next question was, how old was Moses when he saw the burning bush? He was 80 years old, so he was getting up there when he had his call to lead the Israelites out of of Egypt. Um, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. That was the, the blanks filled in with that one. What position was held by the man who... 
ear, Peter cut off. He was the high priest servant. And finally, in Isaiah 37, King Hezekiah tore his clothes after the report about Assyria, and he put sackcloth on. Question of the day. All right, well, our question of the day comes from Sky, and she asks, who are the princes in Daniel 10 and verse 20? Is it significant for today? Yes, very interesting passage here in uh, Daniel 10 verse 20. Uh, Gabriel is speaking. He says, then he said, or is this? Uh, yeah, Gabriel is speaking. He said, uh, do you not know why I have come to you? Now, and now I will return and fight with the prince of Persia. And when I'm gone forth, lo, the prince of Greece shall come. It's a little bit of a tricky one right here. And uh, a lot of people are like, why, why is Gabriel going to fight with, um, with the P- prince of Persia? Mm. And why is the prince of Greece going to come when he leaves? Mm. Okay, so you can read this two different ways in English. The correct way to read it in English is that I'm going to fight alongside or on behalf of or in support of the Prince of Persia. Mm. Uh, Cyrus the Persian is somebody who was prophesied in Scripture 150 years before the events of his life took place. Mm. In Scripture, he is called the Shepherd. He is called the Messiah. He is called the Deliverer. Uh, He was somebody who was used by God not just to uh, let God's people go and let them go back to the promised land, but to also uh, command the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. So he played a pivotal role in world history, One of the definitely one of the top most 100 influ- influential people that ever lived in history was Cyrus the Persian. And uh, so when you look at the situation right here, it's not hard to understand why Gabriel would say, look, I'm going to go and fight alongside the Persians. Mm. I'm going to fight on behalf of the Persians. But when I'm gone forth, the uh, king of Greece will come, or the prince of Persia. So the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece are the kings of Persia and the kings of Greece, the Persian kings, the Greek king, kings. And that's what the Bible is referring to in this particular passage. And so, of course, what you've got here is an illustration of how God works with nations. Not just individuals, it's not just you know human beings who have a probationary time. Every nation has a probationary time. Every nation has an opportunity to, as a nation, do something for God. Mm. And so Persia, you know, Babylon had its time of probation, and when its probation ended uh, during Belshazzar's feast, that was it. It was over. The Assyrians likewise beforehand, they have their time of probation and God will you know, put up with a nation for a particular period of time and when it's over, it's over. And he's like, okay, yes, I've brought the Persians to power and they are going to do great things for my people and they are going to be the means by which I'm going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, reestablish the worship in Jerusalem, all you know, return my people to the promised land, etc. You know, the Persians are going to be the ones who are going to be the mechanism for doing that and we see Cyrus the Persian involved in that. We see Darius the Great involved in that. We see Artaxerxes being involved in that and Artaxerxes' decree being central to a prophecy of the Messiah. We see all Mm. the Persian kings involved in that. But when the Persian kings, they don't turn to God and they stay steadfast in their refusal to come back to God, eventually God's like, well, that's it. I'll leave the Persians up to their own devices. And when he does, Alexander the Great turns up, Mm. Greeks turn up. Bible never says that God fights on the side of Alexander, which is uh, interesting, uh, unlike he does. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We've got one last text message sneaking its way into the show right here. Not sure whether I should read this one or not, but nah, do it. 
In regards to the mushroom debate, um, <laughs> have you, Lawson, uh-huh. tried them finely diced in Indian curry? Sure. I have not. I, I've tried them finely diced in Indian curry. I finely them. diced in dumplings. Mm. Dude. Well, Sky says you can't taste them. I made this a few days ago with tofu and potatoes and can also put this in a wrap and add cheese. Did this for my son to make sure he would eat it. So maybe, yeah, maybe on Sky's son's side, he's had to... to, uh, But but what's the point? Okay, what's the point? Is is, is, Has mushrooms got anything in them that are actually beneficial for you? Like... Is there a particular yes, thing? Yes, yes, like, absolutely. Just white and grey and rubbery. Surely they don't have any kind of vitamins or minerals in them that are actually necessary to the human race. Lyle, m- mushrooms are rich, are a rich, low-calorie source of fibre, protein and antioxidants. Nah, whatever. Anyway, let's give something away. They we may also this. mitigate the risk of developing serious health conditions such as Alzheimer's, heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Yeah, I think I'd just rather die. <laughs> <laughs> I choose death <laughs> over mushrooms. Put <laughs> okay. mushrooms on my plate. It's like, nah, I'll just die. Don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith throughout this day, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.